It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, January 28, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka police are investigating a suspicious death in Sealing Cove Harbor. Dispatch received a call Thursday morning at around 8.30 a.m. that blood and a weapon had been found on one of the harbor's floats. According to police spokesperson Serena Wild, responders located the body of a deceased man, later identified as 66-year-old Don Petro, on the rocks by the Alice Loop side of the harbor. Police closed the harbor to the public Thursday morning during the investigation and recovery, but have since reopened the facility. Next of kin have been notified, and Petro's body will be sent to the state medical examiner's office to determine a cause of death. While this winter's Omicron surge is tapering in some parts of the U.S. and even in some remote southeast communities, cases in Sitka have declined only slightly this week. When the Sitka Unified Command met on January 26th, Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule said that Mount Edgecombe Medical Center continues to see hospitalizations, but not at very high rates. Generally, it's running between two to four patients, and some of those patients it's really more of an incidental finding than the primary medical problem. So uh, the one of the biggest challenges we have, of course, is keeping all of our clinics and all of our activities staffed, just like all other businesses. As of Thursday morning, Mount Edgecombe Medical Center was reporting one current COVID-19 hospitalization. On Wednesday, Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, reported that cases are still trending upward statewide, with more than 93 percent of cases attributed to the Omicron variant. Brule said that the science still points to boosters being a good defense, even with the evolution of the virus. Uh, One thing I'll say from a scientific standpoint is that uh, that the numbers of people who are contracting um, the Omicron uh, COVID-19 are much, much lower in uh, people who've received boosters. Um, so uh, we continue to recommend boosters for uh, folks over age 12, and we continue to um, require it of our, uh, of our employees. According to state data, only around 40 percent of Sitkins have received a booster shot, although that number includes children under age 12 who do not yet qualify for the third vaccine dose. Given the extraordinary circumstances of the last two years, the state of Sitka is apparently not too bad. Municipal Administrator John Leach delivered his annual report to the community at the Sitka Chamber of Commerce on January 26th and identified the many ways that the municipal government is holding its own. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Among the many areas of city government he discussed, Administrator John Leach mentioned that applications to work for the city are down over previous years, but for the past month there's been a fully staffed human resources department to assist in keeping jobs filled. Some revenues, like the property tax, are flat, but a promising visitor season could generate more sales tax. Leach also said that all federal and state relief programs during the pandemic had pumped $76 million into the local economy. He reminded the chamber that Sitka had to punch above its weight. The city has a a lot of responsibilities uh, above and beyond what your typical municipality would do. And that's because we're an island community. You know, we have to provide all our own utilities here. And we keep that in-house as a, um, a city function. We've got, I call them our core services, our three core services of 
public safety, public infrastructure, and our contribution to education. So our folks are working hard every day to provide those core services. But Leach cautioned that continued progress would come with change and not necessarily the kind of change that residents think about every day. He mentioned the way Sitka handled its garbage. Solid waste is, uh, is getting a little more expensive. Um, you may remember we just had to move to uh, purchase a compactor, and hopefully that will help us gain some efficiencies so we can uh, make less shipments off the island because we'll be able to compact it more. Um, but the important thing is we really need to find over the next uh, eight to 10 years a solution for our our solid waste to ship less and less. Leach was encouraged, however, that Sitkins, like the Climate Action Task Force, were already thinking about sustainable growth. He mentioned that there is only so much water behind the dam and that the community was going to have to concentrate on energy efficiency or developing new sources to support economic expansion in government, health care, tourism, and fishing. Leach did not see Sitka going backwards. I believe that Sitka is, is poised for a pretty major economic growth if done right, and we can see an economic boom here. Uh, but it's essential that we balance the community's desires with the expansion efforts underway in tourism and healthcare while maintaining an atmosphere to ensure the continued success of our fishing fleet. So we really need to make the right investments to ensure the future success of our special community. One of those investments is in planning for major growth in cruise visitation beginning this summer. Leach heaped praise on planning director Amy Ainsley, the planning commission, and staff for their work to craft the 2022 short-term tourism plan, but he wouldn't speculate on where the assembly would land on the question of a full or partial closure of Lincoln Street on busy days, or just keeping the status quo. All of the choices are hard. Um, We just need to, you know, more or less try one figure out what works best, scale it as necessary. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find a link to the annual report to the community on our website, kcaw.org. The Alaska Board of Fisheries will hold its southeast meeting in Anchorage after all. The board voted two to four against moving the meeting back to Ketchikan, despite dozens of comments from southeast fishermen, tribal entities, elected officials, and others urging it to hold the meeting inside the region that would be affected by more than 150 proposals. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. The Alaska Board of Fisheries had been set to hold its Southeast Finfish and Shellfish meeting in Ketchikan earlier this month, but a coronavirus outbreak caused it to be postponed. When the meeting was rescheduled to Anchorage two months later, fishermen, subsistence harvesters, and others complained, pointing out that a March meeting could cut into fishing seasons or cut constituents off from the process. So the Board of Fish, which sets regulations for commercial, subsistence, and sport fisheries around the state, met Thursday to decide whether to hold the two-week Southeast meeting in Ketchikan after all. But despite comments urging the move back to Southeast, a four-member majority of the board voted to keep the meeting in Anchorage. John Jensen, the board's only member residing in Southeast Alaska, said he appreciated the public comment, but was concerned about logistics. People made their plans based on their, our plan to go to Anchorage, like myself, and, and much to the disappointment of a lot of my people that live around here in Petersburg. I'm going to get chewed out for this, but my, my vote's going to be to keep the meeting in Anchorage and keep the plans we've already made and, and go along with that. 
Jensen also suggested skipping the Southeast Alaska meeting this cycle and resuming in 2024. The last regional finfish and shellfish meeting was in Sitka in 2018. After the move to Anchorage was announced, Ketchikan Representative Dan Ortez worked with local officials and board staff to arrange availability in March at Ketchikan's Ted Ferry Civic Center. Other state senators and representatives from Southeast Alaska wrote to the board in favor of holding the meeting in the region. Board member Israel Payton criticized what he termed political interference by Alaska lawmakers. I've heard from, quite honestly, the politicians that have been involved in this to keep politics out of the Board of Fish. And I feel a tremendous amount of political pressure from those same politicians to get in uh, the board business and uh, try to augment what's what's we view as best for the board in the process. So I uh, don't take kindly to that. That being said, I, I appreciate what they're they're doing for their stakeholders. Petersburg's Jensen agreed. The, the reason this state came into being was to take government out of management of fish and and being respectful for our legislators and i'm not trying to make it sound bad but um governmental agencies running fisheries has never worked very well in the history of the united states or any other country for that matter as far back as 2015 when the magna carta was written board of fish chair marit carlson van dort reiterated the challenges of trying to hold large public meetings with many postponed and rescheduled it is literally almost balanced on a pinhead um, considering all of the fisheries and all of the other um, uh, timing and, and scheduling conflicts that that present presented Mackenzie Mitchell of Fairbanks said she wanted to meet in Southeast Alaska. I understand that the schedules are challenging and it will be challenging to have uh, both the statewide and the Southeast meetings back to back, but I am okay with doing that. Um, It's important for me to make sure that we have a Southeast meeting in Southeast Alaska. Mitchell and Willow-based board member John Wood voted in favor of moving the meeting back to Ketchikan, but the motion failed 2-4, to four, keeping the southeast meeting location in Anchorage. The comment period for the 153 proposals before the Board of Fish for the Southeast Alaska meeting has been extended until February 23rd. The Alaska Board of Fisheries Southeast Fin Fish and Shellfish meeting will take place in Anchorage at the Egan Center from March 10th to 22nd. Given the location of the meeting, the board stated it will accept remote public testimony from select Alaska Department of Fish and Game offices. The board has not specified whether that is the only form of remote testimony that will be accepted. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. And finally, this correction. In a Raven News story that aired yesterday at this time about Prince of Wales Island's controversial wolf harvest, we incorrectly stated the timing of the season. It ran for 30 days and ended on December 15th, not January 15th, as reported. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.